guys, we've got a busy morning today. Did you know today we are setting Jonathan and Ruth Horsfall into eldership? Yes. Where is Jonathan and Ruth? Jonathan and Ruth, can you give us a wave? Are they out with the kids? <laughs> Ruth is. Oh, there's Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Do we have any um, uh, people from uh, visiting this morning who are coming here uh, to be a part of Jonathan and Ruth setting in? Can you just give us a hand? Can you just wave? Family? Yeah. Can you just honor these guys? Welcome. Welcome. See folks from Father's House. So good to have you here with us. Church, it's so good to be back. I was just, just marveling during worship. And uh, I found this scripture, it's in uh, Numbers 33, and God commands Moses, and he says, Moses, I'm commanding you to record the stages of the journey of my people. And then the whole chapter is a list of stages. And as I was here today, just sitting in worship, just enjoying the presence of God and seeing people worshiping and thanking him and honoring him. I just looked around. I just felt so overwhelmed by the stages of this house and how, just how far we've come. It's important to record stages because it's with stages and markers that you can look back and appreciate what God has done and just how far we've come. Um, this week, uh, Sam Cooper is, um, has finished his... Uh, job working for Forum Let's, and, um, and uh, he has just done a fantastic job. Sam, where, where is Sam? Where are you, Sam? Stand up, Sam. <laughs> we so appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> Sam, we so appreciate you. I know... We're going to talk more about this on Wednesday night at Family Matters, but we just want to say thank you. You have done a phenomenal job at creating and leading a team uh, that we have today, and we just want to celebrate you and thank you and honor you, and he's going to be a freelancer from now on, and so we're going to still see lots of Sam. But isn't that so good? I just want to say, is, is Andy Williams back in, in yet? Andy, can we just honor Andy? I just, for the stage that Andy was right at the very beginning when he started here to lead the worship team, and just looking around of what we enjoy in worship in this house, we just want to honor you, Andy. Can we honor Andy? So appreciate you, man. Really do. Really, really do. So appreciate it. <laughs> Is Steph here? Steph, are you here? We're just very aware that behind every successful man is a surprised wife, so. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, I'm here with uh, John Washko. Uh, John, can you stand? And Josh Brannock. Josh, can you guys both stand? We just want to honor you. Amazing. John is here, on, actually on business in the UK, and uh, was able to travel down for this weekend, which is remarkable. He can, it just coincided at the same time. And Josh is one of the leaders in the church, uh, in one of the uh, congregations in America. And uh, so he's traveling with us literally for 48 hours, and he goes back tomorrow. So it's great to have you. Jo John is the chairman of the board for Livestreams, and so, and I was going to say so much, all of the infrastructure um, and the details that go on, which I know little about, um, to do with all the legal and finances John does. So John, just want to honor you again and appreciate you, sir. You're amazing. 
Wonderful. It's great to have Mike and Beryl in the house. Mike and Beryl, can you stand? We just want to honor you too. So appreciate you. I was uh, in November, of the, no, December. We were here in, in November. In December, um, I had the privilege of traveling with my two twin boys, Isaac and Judah, to Uganda um, to meet up with Mike and Beryl and the team and be a part of Wellspring and a conference there for their International uh, Leaders Conference. And uh, just had a phenomenal time. Uh, Mike and Beryl, you can still see the fruit of their labor, of all the years they poured into that nation um, and how it's impacting um, literally not just that nation, but the nations around it. And so um, it was a phenomenal time. I felt very privileged and honored to be there. Um, but right towards the end, um, I was, we'd, I'd finished the last session, and I was sitting having a, a banana and a cup of coffee with uh, Mike and Beryl and my boys, and they said, listen, you've got to go back. We're going to commission all these pastors. And, uh, and so they're about to go back in, and I just said, so I'm just going to lie down. And Judah said, Dad, you can't lie down. The meeting's starting. I said, I'll go in during worship. I'm just going to lie down. And so I... I I lay down, and uh, this was on the Friday, and came to sometime on Sunday. Um, and uh, when I fully came to, um, I opened my eyes, and it was pitch dark. And a voice said this, the man of God is dead. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm dead. And as I lay there, I thought, why is it dark? I thought, when you die, you're meant to see this light, bright light. So I'm lying there thinking, I died. Oh no, does Fee know? Uh, and, but why is it so dark? And then all of a sudden, there was a bright light. And I thought, there it is, that's the light. Okay, things are getting better. And this beautiful black face appeared in my face and said, hello, sir. I said, sir, I thought I would get good and faithful servant. So I'm having all these thoughts all at the same time. God's black. I, I knew it. I knew it. But why did he call me sir? Like, I thought, son or good and faithful servant, but why, sir? And I'm thinking about all these things. And then I heard this voice, Reinhard Bonnke is dead. I thought, what's the chances of that? I died on the same day as Reinhard Bonnke. <laughs> so I'm lying there thinking, he saw 79 million people saved, and then there's me. I get to go after him. This is just so unjust. This is so unfair. And then I saw the big, beautiful African face again. He said, you are going to be well. I thought, okay, so I, there's no sickness in heaven, so maybe I'm not in heaven. And then I saw Mike Godwood's face <laughs> and my children. And Beryl just did a phenomenal job at looking after me. She put me on a drip, and she got up about four in the morning to make sure I was on this drip, and I got all my medicine, and uh, then we were, we were able to fly all the way back to the States. And I know some of you know this, and so I just want to give you a very quick update, but um, 
I, uh, I am feeling so much better. The board, uh, some of which are in the room today, sat me down, and it was really more of an intervention, um, and said that uh, they did not want me to travel for a month, and my doctor, who is a part of one of our congregations, um, sat me down also and said, you just need to reset your body, and we'll see you every day. They're kind of holistic doctors. So every single day this month, I've been in their clinic for four or five hours every day, uh, running on a Peloton machine or riding on a Peloton and um, getting like vitamin C. And uh, someone asked me before the meeting, what is all these IVs you've been on? Um, I don't actually really know, but I know they take out all the, the toxins in your body and oxygen and things like that. And a hyperbaric chamber, by the way, is just a chamber which is just filled with oxygen. And so it's just, it's just really good for you, I think. So anyway, I feel so much better. I feel great. I feel my blood pressure is, was normal last week. Um, so, and um, I, uh, yeah, I'm feeling great. So it's good to be alive. Last Sunday, and I'm going to have, have Fee, have my lovely wife Fee with me this time. So good. Uh, she, you're going to hear from her in a second. But last Sunday, um, we finished at the church meeting, and I was went home and I cooked for our boys. And uh, I was, had an appointment straight after lunch. So I left and they were going to come with me. And they're about 20 minutes behind me. And when I got to the appointment, I got a phone call saying there has been a car accident. And if you ever heard those, for me, it triggered something in me, um, but personally. But if you've ever heard those words, especially when it's to do with your children, your, your sons have been in a car accident. So it was Judah was driving. They were driving Fee's car, which is a mini. And uh, Jonah, who's 13, as you know. And I knew they were planning to come behind me. And I said, if you don't hurry up, you're going to have to go on your own. So that's what happened. And so I left the appointment and just flew back. And as I passed the accident site, I could see the car and the state that it was in. And... Um, I picked up Fee and we went straight to the hospital. And what had happened is they'd gone through on a green light. Um, it was their right of way. And another gentleman in his 90s was coming the other way and turned left. Um, and as he turned left, he clipped the car. And it flipped three times. Um, ended up upside down in a ditch in the snow. Do we have a picture of that, guys? Fee, can you come up here while they look at these pictures? This was last Sunday. Come up here, bud. Is there one more? That's the good bit. <laughs> Fee, tell us what happened. Do we have a mic, guys? Oh, you got it. Well done. It's on. There you go. Hi. Really great to see you. Amazing this morning. Hi, hi, hi. Um, yeah, so as you can see... The mini was a bit worse for it. I had just been at a baby shower and ironically praying for two pregnant mums, blessing the life that was about to be born. And uh, here's my children upside down in a car. Um, yeah, it's, it was horrible. But one of the things that obviously they're alive, they are completely uninjured. The car's a complete write-off. It triggered stuff in me because 20 odd years ago, I rolled a car and I was completely unharmed because he's given his angels charge concerning me. And he's given his angel charge concerning you. And everybody that gives their life to Jesus has massive angels with them. So when we're in the hospital, obviously emotional, but they're getting checked out, making sure nothing's wrong. Um, the police were in and saying, well, there was lots of witnesses that are asking, where was the third person? Where was the third person that we saw in the back of the mini? 
And I've seen that angel before. <laughs> because when my twins first passed their driver's test, I was so nervous all the time. And I was sitting on my front porch, the mini drives up the driveway, and Isaac's in the car. And I saw another person in the car. And I went in the house and thought it was his friend David. And um, he followed me. And I said, oh, where's David? He said, oh, well, he's at home. What do you mean, Mum? I said, well, who was in the car with you? He said, nobody. There's nobody in the car. And I had immediately the witness in my spirit. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I've seen a being. I saw another being. And then my mum says, you know why the Lord showed you that? So you wouldn't worry. And then the joke in our house from then on was, I've seen Isaac's angel. Can I please see Judas? <laughs> so apparently a lot of witnesses have seen it. And then as details progressed, um, obviously the impact was quite hard. The other car was hardly touched but the airbags were deployed, which, as you know, that can be quite painful. Now, Judah is now very, very strong and muscly, so it, it hit him but barely hurt him. But J Jonah said to me, Mum, it was really weird. When the airbags went off, it was like my chair had been physically pulled back and I was in the back seat and it didn't touch him. And I honestly believe that angel pulled him back so it wouldn't hit him. They had no injuries, nothing. And sadly, the mini is no more. But it's okay. I don't care about the car. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway. Thanks, Ben. That was good. That was so good. No, great. Thanks, baby. It really is. God is so, so, so kind. He's so good. Um, just leaving there. What you're going in the, they were, they were taken by ambulance. And when they got there and we went in, they were obviously concerned about their mother's car. Um, but Jonah, who's 13, said, Dad, they, they, they took me into the police car or into another room and said, is your brother lying? What happened to the third person? Multiple witnesses saw a third person in the back seat. What's his name and where is he? They said, I promise you. They said, you, this is a, you're making a legal statement now, son. Is this the truth? He said, I promise you it's just us. They had not one scratch on them. Glass everywhere, windows smashed, all, every air, airbag deployed, rolled three times and ended up upside down in a ditch and not even a scratch. I mean, not one single scratch. So good. So good. All right. Hey, can I just say it's great to have Sue Wakeley here. Sue, can you just, can you stand, Sue, please, will you? So great to have you here, Sue. Paul was going to be here. He's not very well today, but we're going to have Sue come and uh, join us in laying hands on Jonathan and Ruth in just a moment. And then we're going to break bread together. So did you go and find out who you're going to break with bread with today? Okay, great. Just very quickly, church, if you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy, and I'm going to read what Paul says in his instructions to this young man, his true son in the faith. And he lays out the qualifications for an elder. And we've done this as a church today. The purpose is not to do a teaching on eldership, but really set us up for a fresh, again, to recap and refresh what eldership is. And although it can seem maybe like an old-fashioned old uh, name or word, elder, um, 
nonetheless, it's still what the Bible calls it. And even if we don't always refer to people as elders or pastors, thank you, Tim, um, it, what's important is that we know um, what that means to us as a house. Because God is building his house. And today is a stage. It's a stage in our journey. We've gone through, already you've heard about Nigel and Jill. It's another stage in the journey of this church. And God always takes us from one degree of glory to another. Every stage should get better and better and better. Amen? doesn't mean it's without trial. It's like we go, through, we go through mountaintops and valley peaks. But at the end of the day, we're still going up. You say, well, I'm, why am I in a valley again? Yeah, but you're still going up because we're on a journey to become more like him. And this house is getting stronger. This house is getting, is getting more statured. This year, I trust, I hope, by the end of this year, we're going to set more elders in. We're going to set more deacons into this house. Because it's essential, it must be done, that we build, not just according to how we, how we want to build, but the pattern that's been laid out in Scripture. Amen? So Paul writes this. Here, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an elder or an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, the overseer must, everyone say must, he must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. He must, everyone say must, be able to manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household and family, how, Paul says, can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment of the devil. He must also be of a good reputation inside and outside the church. I know Jonathan and Ruth very, very well. I've watched their life um, very carefully over the last four years when we really got to know them. And, uh, and they, they are just a fantastic couple. And to lay hands on them today and set them into this place of eldership to join the team here of elders is just an extreme honor. Have you, hands up if you've already got to know them a little bit. Can you just put your hands up if you've got to know them a little bit? Wow, a lot of you. <laughs> That's pretty good going, Jonathan, in two weeks. <laughs> it's really good. Hey, can I just say it's really good to have uh, Ruth's mom and dad here. Can you stand, mom and dad? So great to have you, the legs. When I first met uh, Ruth, the first time I saw her was at Chicago Airport when they arrived in America to go on, you know, that 10-day holiday thing where you find out, yeah, that. Um, and I said, so Ruth, tell me, what's your, what's your maiden name? She said, Lake. I said, you're not Graham Lake's daughter, are you? And she said, yeah. Do you know my dad? I said, yeah. He gave me my first drum kit when I was a little boy. I grew up in this church. He gave me a little drum kit. Yeah. Amen. I'm a little jet-lagged. Just give me a little bit of grace. Okay, I'm going to give you an acronym that will keep us on track, keep us moving forward. Are you ready? Gosh, we've really got to go. Wow, gosh, we've really got to go. Um, 
uh, here we go. Um, the acronym is eldership, so I'm going to go really fast. E is for an example. The Bible says in 1 T- Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, set an example in your love, in your life, in your speech, and in your purity. So this is not an exhaustive uh, study on eldership by any means, church, but I just want to say that elders need to be examples. Number two, L. They must be lovers of God. One of the most beautiful pictures that I see of eldership is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 10, where the elders are surrounding the throne, worshiping the king, worshiping the lamb. And elders are their examples in the way that they love God. Amen? Are you all awake this morning? Yeah, okay. I just want to check. Because I, I, if you, I'll go faster if you're more, like, communicative. Like, yeah. So shout back at me. Okay. D is depth. Everyone say depth. 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 First Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. He must hold to the deep truths of the faith. Elders must have depth. There must be, they must be rooted in Scripture. They must be able to refute false doctrine. Because there are winds of doctrine. Ephesians 4, God, uh, Paul says, God has given apostles and, apostles, apostles and prophets and pastors, teachers and evangelists to equip God's people for works of service until we come to the full stature of Christ. Until. Well, we haven't yet. So they must be able to handle the word of God accurately. Now, can I just say, that doesn't mean all elders need to be theologians. In fact, in this qualifications that we just read, 19 out of 20 of them are not to do with gifting, it's to do with character. Only one is to do with with gifting, and it says he must be able to teach, but it doesn't actually say to what level, other than he must be able to refute false doctrine. You, You hear that? So much of this is to do with deep character. And being a godly example. So an example, a lover of God, depth. E, the next E is for empower. And this is really a big part of the culture of this house, that we're an empowering people. That we are not caps, but we are cups. That we make room for people to grow and blossom so that people can find their, their God-given shape. They, could, they can find the very thing that God's called them to do. Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, in his, first, in his opening letter, he says this, I give you these instructions in keeping with the prophetic word once spoken over you. Powerful revelation, church, that when we're discipling somebody and leading people, we are to find out what God has already said about them, and our job is to draw that out of them. It's not to make clones or make people just like us, but to find out. That's why our vision statement is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, fulfill their dreams, and change the world. Um, R is for rule. Everyone say rule. David says this in Proverbs 25, verse 28. Better for a man to rule his spirit than he who takes a city. That's huge, isn't it? God says, I would rather you rule yourself than take a whole city for me, David. I would rather you rule yourself. And an elder must be able to rule himself. If he can't rule himself, then how can he rule in God's house? Um, S is for spirit. Everyone say spirit. I love this. This is so key. And we've unpacked these before in different forums. No pun intended. But this spirit, in Galatians 6 verse 1, it says, If anyone falls into sin... Let he who is spiritual restore them gently. But take heed, yes, you yourself may fall into the same trap. 
So there's something in this whole an understanding of, of God's people and how we build God's house, that it is a spiritual responsibility. That's why Paul says the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. This house is a house that was birthed in the spirit. Amen? We're not just here to come along and get along. We're not just here to, to just to feed our brains. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. We are a spiritual people, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I love the songs we sang today about the Father. Wasn't that a great song? Ah, when shame goes. So good. All right. H is for hope. Everyone shout hope. hope. Nearly done, church. This is a quick acronym. Hope. An elder must bring hope. In Romans 14, Romans 8, 4, verse 18, it says this, against all hope. Abraham believed. He who has the most hope has the most influence. Leaders must be people who lead in hope. Leaders and elders must be people whose heart says, but God. But God. Yes, I know this happened. But God. Yes, this, this happened. But God. Yes, this didn't work out the way I thought it would. But God. Yes, the doctor has given me this diagnosis. But God. There's always a hope. Against all hope, Abraham believed, elders must be people that bring hope because those that bring hope carry the most influence. I is for integrity. Proverbs 20 verse 28 says, love and integrity keep a king safe for through, his, for through it his throne is made secure. Wow. Uh, you know, integrity is so important. And I'll just say this, that... A man's gift says nothing about the man himself, only the grace of God. It's really important that we don't look at people's gifts and go and be wowed by the gifts. It says nothing about the person, only the grace of God. That's why they're called gifts. They are without repentance. That's why it's one of those mind-boggling things when we over-celebrate gifts rather than the giver of the gift then when the person fails because we, we were in so in awe of their gift, when they fall, we fall. But if our eyes are on him and we celebrate the, the, the giver of the gift and the gift, but recognizing it doesn't necessarily always speak of integrity. I'm not talking about in this house. In this house, the point is there is integrity. And elders must have integrity. Amen? It keeps the house safe. And P is, finally, is for plurality. Paul sets, says, to, says to, in Titus, set in elders. Set in elders. It's so important that it's never about one person. There is only one person, and that's Jesus. We're his body. And that's why team is so important. One of the most misquoted scriptures is that I have the mind of Christ. The Bible does not say I have the mind of Christ. The Bible says we do. Because we find the wisdom of God together. We have the mind of Christ. Acts says, and it sounded good to us and to the Holy Spirit. Wisdom is found in the counsel of many. In multiple counselors, we find the wisdom of God. And through wisdom, the house is built and through understanding the foundations are laid.